0: You're listening to part two of Animal Cafe's interview with Kelly Gorman-Dunbar on animal shelters and a new model with the Open Paw program. Where do you go from there in your program?
1: At uh, level three, we call that potatoes for the program because at level three, we go into basic training with teaching them things like you know, making eye contact with people who are maybe not their, their initial handlers. So anyone who has the leash, anyone who's interacting with them, mm-hmm. should their attention. Often in a shelter, the animals are very bonded to their caretakers, and then when you try to take them out with a new person, a virtual stranger who is a potential adopter, they don't really give them any attention. So at level three, we'll teach them to make eye contact with people, to give paw, to do hand-targeting touches. And um, to pay attention to whoever's holding the leash, and then just the basic commands as well. sit down, stand. Uh, we also do uh, grooming exercises, grooming and handling exercises at this level so that the animals can become very comfortable. I don't want them to just accept handling and grooming. Mm-hmm. I want them to become super comfortable with that because in a shelter environment, they're already so stressed and you know their stress bucket is so full. And I don't want them to, feel any more stressed and pushed maybe perhaps to snap or crawl or bite by the fact that someone's touching their paw. Right.
0: So if they get that desensitization by the staff and the volunteers on a consistent basis, then you're not going to have that issue when it comes to adoption days.
1: Exactly. That's the hope, you know, that you know, so many animals have only been, you know, touched around the collar for punishment or maybe mm-hmm. have never had their feet or ears touched. And, you know, these are things that people need to do, um, you know, just wiping paws on a muddy day, let alone for vet exams or, or regular bath time. So, again, we take those um, those components out of the stressful scenario, and we piece it together by just making sure that they're having the classical conditioning of the happy experience along with trading touches for treats, and at this point we will go to treats rather than just kibble. Maybe it's a higher value treat if they don't like having their paws touched, and we gradually work maybe from the shoulder down to the paws, gradually adding a little pressure as if we were perhaps going to wipe muddy paws or clip nails. And until we get them, again, not just to accept it, but to kind of melt into it and be happy and say, please touch my paw, touch my paw. ready for some more cheese or whatever it may be. So you have
0: more in-depth information for shelters should they have a real problem dog, whether it's a shy dog or a dog that's fearful and, and aggressive.
1: Yes, we do have behavior protocols in the open-paw shelter manual um, to a certain degree. That you know, will the higher-level volunteers can help. If an animal already has an issue, then you want safety. Obviously, is important um, at both ends of the leash. So we have special protocols and and drills that you can do for animals that are already perhaps uncomfortable with some of these things, so that we can you know change the behavior. Every interaction that you have with the dog, whether this is in your home or in a shelter. You are there's always learning happening. So our goal is to make sure that every interaction is teaching them something that we want them to learn, and that it's an, a, as positive as possible for the animals. So that um, you know you're you're putting um, kind of you know money in the bank for those inevitable kind of bad experiences which are the occasional bath or medical treatment or right or maybe you're someone right. stepping on someone's paw accidentally <laughs> something like that but level three they learn a lot of that stuff um and then we have level four which is kind of the final frontier that's leash walking that's loose leash walking training not necessarily heel although we can incorporate into that but um teaching the, the dogs to walk politely on leash and um That's that is no so small feat. <laughs> no, it,
0: I know. I've I've seen volunteers being dragged down the street. And it's like no, no, come back <laughs> well,
1: you know, I think you know, part of part of the the, the programs well, is to also kind of create a paradigm shift for the volunteers so many people go into a shelter and they see it as a jail and they want the dog just to get exercise and freedom yeah so they think they're doing them a favor by letting them pull at the end of the leash and drag and sniff and run and and really they're not because you know ultimately good behavior polite manners that's what's gonna get the dog adopted and that's what's gonna help them to stay adopted and to continue to get walked in their own home you know unless the dog has been in a shelter for months on end, which, you know, we hope is not the case, mm-hmm. we, we try to not worry so much about their physical exercise needs. I want them to get exercised when they get at home. Instead, I would like to work on their impulse control and their manners and mental stimulation to keep them busy and tired and all of these things that will proactively, you know, again, teach them the manners that they need to succeed, you know, whether it's lying down quietly and chewing on a stuffed chew toy. Or just, you know, sitting politely for greeting. You know, these things take energy and mental energy as well as physical energy for them to learn, and these are the skills that will help them so that they can run at the park every day once they get adopted.
0: So do you have handouts for adopting families to read once they get home?
1: We have, um, in the program, we have what we we call Adopters Anonymous, Mm. which is... (laughs) A little meet and greet group it can be online it can be virtual or it can be in person or a combination of both and it's a place where people can come and uh, discuss their their problems or their challenges and and their triumphs of having their new their new dog so we, we have a behavior matrix that we pass out where um all the basic problems that we know happen all the other you know, basic kind of Irrit- irritants that might happen in, in a new home, whether it's potty training to um, chewing on the wrong things or whatever, or jumping mm-hmm. up on people, even a little bit of shyness. Um, things that might jeopardize the the new relationship—it's all written out in a matrix, and we've got um, you know the problems on one side, and then the the possible solutions and treatments on the other. And it's kind of a a behavioral key, if you will. And, and everyone gets a copy of that, but they also get an opportunity to meet in this forum and, and discuss the problems and get support.
0: Okay, and then uh, what about? Shelters, if they want to commit to running this program, can they talk to other shelters who are who currently employ OpenPaw?
1: Certainly, we we have a Yahoo group as well. I mean, at OpenPaw, it's pretty much um, um, you know, we're, we're always available. You know, we're, I'm I'm always available to talk to people, as is my partner Colleen Boyle. But we also have a Yahoo group where people. Um, people that are in various stages of implementation of the program can get together and chat and ask questions and kind of deal with each other's help each other through their challenges you know it's pretty much the same challenges that you go through when you're trying to develop the program and uh, it's nice to to benefit from the experience of other facilities across the world we have people in the group that are from South Africa from Australia um, you know all over the US as well so you Yeah, it's very exciting. So you get to talk to these people, and some of them are very far along and have been doing the program successfully for years, and others are just getting started. But it's a, it's a wonderful support group and a great resource for, for help as you're trying to you know, work your way through the program. And then, of course, we have our manual, our shelter manual, and um, a four-level video as well that, um, is, that walks you through the program.
0: Um, you were referring to the mental health
1: Yes, we have um, minimum mental health guidelines, and that's really how Open Pause started, was that, you know, as a shelter worker, I was working in at the SPCA LA, in, and then also I came up to Berkeley and was volunteering up here after the fact, and it just was... Shocking that this was 12 years ago now, but honestly, it's not that different. It hasn't changed that much. Um, how few shelters were really addressing the mental health needs of their, of their charges. You know, every shelter that I've, almost every shelter I've gone to, is very concerned about the physical health and, and worried about infectious disease, as they should be. But honestly, in every community, you know, across, at least, you know, across the U.S., um, if there's less than five dogs per per city that die of something such as parvovirus each year and you know we have dogs that are in shelters for some form of behavioral problem or our relationship breakdown generally because of behavior mm-hmm. um, and that are languishing in shelters across the nation that are dying by the hundreds in, in most communities every week so behavioral health and 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 manners matter and I would say, you know, just as much as physical health. So that's what the minimum mental health guidelines were created to to illustrate to people, to give people guidelines on how to make sure that you're keeping your animals mentally healthy and, and as well as, as physically healthy. And for that, we need to give them um, comforts of home in a kennel kind of environment. They need a separate toilet area from their living quarters. They should be... Um, exposed to, to new people and hopefully new environments and sights and sounds on a regular basis, they should have environmental enrichment such as food-extracting toys and nose-scent-related you know games and for cats you know some playtime, some social time um, every day so that they, be, they maintain their physical health. Because without those things, uh, mental health for most animals will start to deteriorate within two weeks of being in a shelter environment.
0: And that's a very serious problem. Um, especially in in no-kill shelters. Um, Some think that it's a good idea to just keep the dog in the shelter, and a year later they're still in the shelter. And that's that's unacceptable. Uh, Unless there is a a home-like atmosphere, uh, I, I really don't know how that can work. Um, and ha- not have a dog that is institutionalized and impossible to keep in a new home.
1: I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that if you are going to be a sanctuary rather than a shelter, that mm-hmm. one, that's one thing. And, yeah. and if that's the case, then you really do have to, you, you really need to provide a very home-like environment full-time to yes. these animals. And then if you're not a sanctuary and you are a shelter where your main goal is to you know, get the animals into permanent homes, get them adopted into permanent homes, and you're finding that your length of stay is longer than a month, well, then there's, you, you've got to up your game. You've got to do something different because you know, a, a, a shelter, no matter how good a shelter is, whether it's an open paw shelter or it's the fanciest shelter that we've got here in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. a shelter environment is never going to be as good as almost any home, really. Exactly.
0: You know? Exactly. And so you have to be on your toes and you have to know about all the different tools that are available, including transferring and transport.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, you look at your length of stay and and do everything that you can for the animals in your care while you have them there. But ultimately, the goal is to get them out. And I think, you know, frankly, I think sometimes shelters lose sight of that, especially if they have behavioral programs and things that that they think they're doing well. Mm -hmm. I think they think that their place is better than some of the homes out there. And, and, you know, it it just really isn't the case. You know, um, it's a sterile environment. It's, um, you know, it's a cold environment, and um, animals always do best in in a home.
0: When I was looking at uh, Open Paw, I was thinking this is really um, uh, community activity. So could you... Tell us how that works or how that could work in a shelter.
1: Well, this is, I'll be honest, it's the most challenging part of the program. You need people to be very, very much involved with the volunteer program to create community. But what my vision for that is, and it has worked, it's worked here and there in different communities where people are are dedicated, um, is that the shelter isn't just the final stop for animals, uh, you know, I, I I would like the shelters and communities to be an educational resource and maybe the first stop for for people that are you know looking how, for advice and information on how to best live with a cat or dog. So you know, we see the volunteer base as our as our community. They are the community. The people that come into the shelter, whether it's to volunteer or to possibly adopt, and frankly, even to surrender. This is your community, and you have an opportunity to make sure that everybody that comes into your shelter leaves just a little bit smarter about animal care and behavior, and um, so we try to treat everybody with respect and try to give everybody a little bit of information, but again, in extremely palatable, easy little chunks, and um, we also try to have events where we have Kong stuffing parties and pizza parties, or uh, events where we do... do, um, what we call field trips—you know, taking a few dogs with their adoption vets out and go to the, you know, local park or in some cases even the local dog-friendly pub—and let them kind of hang out and and do their stuff. And what they what is there? What do they do? They 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 just get out and act like normal dogs. And we do a little bit of our training, and that usually opens up you know, a dialogue with other people in the community. If we have dogs at a at a local pub for an afternoon pool game, we will you know bring a couple stuffed Kongs and mm-hmm. do a little bit of training and you know people ask questions and you know it opens up a dialogue that that ultimately hopefully helps them learn that hey their dog might benefit from a, a Kong at home when they're gone all day at work and how they should be you know keeping their own dogs mentally healthy and busy and how to teach basic manners and things like that. So painless education. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I think it's hopefully painless and actually fun and interesting, and yeah. um, oh, dare I say, um, stealth education.
0: Yes, and, and and yet eye-opening. I think people are really happy to learn new things about dogs.
1: Yeah, I find that when we are doing any kind of training, um, or even just with using the, the the you know adhering to the minimum mental health requirements by having kongs and crates and toys and playtime and downtime in the shelter, that it it does. It, you know, these things provoke people to ask questions, and, and there you go. Once they are asking questions, you're not preaching to them. You can just simply answer, answer the questions and demonstrate um, what you'd like people to see. And the animals become the educators in this case, and I think that's, that's really the beautiful part of it.
0: And Well, what would you say to shelters who are listening to this and, and saying, well, um, this sounds really great, but I really don't even know where we would begin to start. Um, are there grants for more personalized implementation of these ideas?
1: Yes, we do. We have a grant. We have um, right now. We have at least one grant opportunity, or we're hoping to to actually quadruple that in in 2012. And because frankly, it's not that expensive. Um, the whole idea of the program is that it can be done on a shoestring budget. But you can apply for our OpenPod grant, which is kind of the implementation grant where you get. Several days of hands-on training with an OpenPOS staff member, and you get, um, startup materials such as the crates and the Kongs and some harnesses and gentle leaders. And, you know, you don't really need much to get the program going. Mainly you just need education and time. So we come out and help you organize the program. And, um, then we also do recommend that people start the program because it can be overwhelming with, um, some uh, maybe choosing a few of the minimum mental health guidelines. And a pilot group of animals, cats or dogs, usually dogs, because they have their impact on the shelter culture, you know, they're louder, they make more noise. Yes, yes. Um, usually we have them start with some dogs, and often it's animals that have been there for a long time, if they've been there three months or more. And just start with a few. You can start with this. So we've had Seltzer start with one open pod dog just to kind of pilot the program and give it a test run. We've had them start with three or maybe just one kennel row. And it, it, it makes it easier to um, kind of, you know, to navigate the adjustments that you need to make, but it also gives you kind of a before and after picture that's very clear, the animals that are part of the open paw program versus the ones that aren't, and you get to see that, wow, these animals are now keeping their kennels clean at night and they're quiet, and, oh, they sit when we open the kennel door versus the other ones that are generally a little frantic. And um, so, you know, we do recommend starting small. And, and taking it in, in successive approximations because that's the easiest way to it. Yes.
0: It can be overwhelming, I think, for some <laughs> shelters to think, oh, my gosh, we have to completely restructure what we do and change operations.
1: I mean, you, know, you do have to make some changes. For mm-hmm. instance, you know, I think the most important thing to change is that dogs um, need to have a potty area that is not in their kennel and they need access to that several times a day and frankly i don't think you can call yourself a humane animal shelter if you're not providing that yeah i mean to me you know you're you're teaching dogs to soil in their living space um you know some are to come that way but a lot of them don't and to me Mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of trapping people in an elevator and not letting them out and um you know eventually you know we're all gonna we're we're all gonna burst eventually right Mm -hmm. we're all gonna and but it would be very stressful and, um, it's, it's, I think, you know, so you do need to th- figure out like, you know, a doggy toilet area and that's a big paradigm shift. And what people will say is we don't have time to walk the dogs. And, and I'll say, well, okay, well, you know, why? Well, because yeah. we're cleaning and well, well, you're cleaning because you didn't because walk, you the did dogs.
0: walk the dogs. <laughs> or even if you're surrounded by concrete,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you, know, dogs, mess, dogs you know, dogs, dogs
0: do adjust to surfaces and, um, you can help train them. This is what we're doing now. That can be far more useful, and instead of objecting, you know, to the whole idea from the outset, it, it's something that everyone should try.
1: It is, it, you know, that has the, honestly, that has one of the, the, the two walking the dogs, getting them out to a, a different toilet area every single day and giving them stuffed Kongs, those two things alone will change the shelter environment tremendously and dogs that come into a shelter and then and get walked from day one and know that they have they will have opportunities to eliminate outside of their living space they will take that opportunity nine times out of ten as long as they can physically hold it they will if they you know if there's the promise of you know hey we're going to get out there's another way to do this exactly
0: it's the it's the whole idea of timing too you know you teach the dog that uh okay it's morning you're going to get fed uh and then the dog walkers come in you know, i mean, if you have to hire dog walkers, which we've done uh, um you, that, that's what you have to do
1: absolutely and, and that's just it it is It is what you have to do to consider, be considered a main shelter, so you have to just find ways to make it work We've started you know you know you do need a few workers on hand that come and and are you know there specifically to walk the dogs at their appropriate hours, but we've also mm-hmm. had um, a lot of success with just having the walk the dog program where volunteers who maybe don't have a heck of a lot of time or don't want to learn the intricacies of all of animal behavior can come and sign up and have a special um, kind of shortened training session on how to successfully walk the dogs to the potty area and back. And you know, in 20 minutes, you can walk four or five dogs, and you know, the impact that's a tremendous impact uh, that you can have on helping your local shelter without having to spend a lot of time or a lot of training. So um, you'd be surprised. A lot of people are willing to come either first thing in the morning or last thing at the end of their day mm-hmm. and just kind of help with the potty walks. And, um, and then usually they get hooked and come and start doing more. But, um, <laughs> and that's always good, too. Uh, <laughs> <it> <laughs> well, and I, I, I did want to say you can get
0: dog walkers uh, also to help in that area um, and, and just give them free ad space on your website.
1: Oh, I like that. No, no, I've never thought of that.
0: Yeah. That's- so, it, you know, as long as you're keeping your website up, which everyone should, um, and keep it active, then it's a wonderful boon to whoever's going to help you, whatever company is willing to, to come in and do something for the dogs.
1: Oh, absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's a very good <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> okay, so can you tell us where potential sponsors for this grant and, and donors can reach you?
1: Uh, we can be reached at openpaw.org. So that's O-P-E-N. I can't spell now, P-A-W. <laughs> O-P-E-N-P-A-W org. There's no S in there. And um, you know, and you can you can reach us there.
0: Okay. Well thank you so much for being with us today, Kelly. I really appreciate your time. And uh, of course I'll see you back at the cafe.
1: Yes, thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. That's all for this week at Animal Cafe.
0: You can find us on the web at animalcafe.co, on Facebook, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.